The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. And looks for salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph podcast. I'm Mike Stevens, and sitting across from me virtually is finally making her triumphant return, the future first female GM in NHL history, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how are you doing? Well, I mean, I'm alive, so things are good. My health was not in danger, so we should probably clarify that. Good, 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 good. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm back. Um, I am tired. So there's that, mm-hmm. but I also have not watched more than like 15 minutes of hockey collectively in the past 10 days. So this is going to be really fun because you're literally just going to be like, oh, this happened. And the only thing I know that's happened since I left was the Chloe Julian firing. Yeah. So, yeah, just just to clarify before we hop in, because we're in a bit of a time crunch, so we're going to get through this. But, yeah, this will be the this is the catching up Rachel podcast. So, you know, Ian, Ian Tellick served in, you know, valiantly uh, during the week when Rachel was on the IR, which is fantastic. So there might be some there are definitely going to be some topics that overlap with that. But you know what? That's fine, because we get the 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 genius of Rachel Dory here, giving her opinion on that. But just want to say it's great to have you back. Don't want to be stuck with that, you know, fucking pigeon that Ian Tullick is. Great. Um, such a pigeon. Let's Thank just, you, Ian, for such helping a, out. <laughs> yeah, Ian, you, you rock, man. It was it was awesome. And uh, I guess let's hop in. So, yeah, you mentioned it. The rate, the, the catch and rate up on a wild week. Well, the Habs fired Claude Julian and Kirk Muller and promoted Dominique Ducharme and Alex Burroughs. Rachel, what are your thoughts on this? Um... Okay, so the way I look at it is if you're going to be firing someone, you need to be able to bring in someone who is better. Um, mm-hmm. Objectively, I don't think there are five better coaches in the NHL than Claude Julian. And I know we talk about this retread thing, um, but I genuinely, like, the results are there. Claude Julian is a fantastic NHL coach. Five on five, he's one of the best coaches. His teams are, mm-hmm. like, perennially one of the best five on five he definitely has trouble with special teams but i'm here to tell you that special teams actually falls on the assistant coaches so whoever has been running his power play whether it was in boston or montreal like it's usually the forward coach runs the pp and the defense coach runs the pk so there needs to be some blame there and maybe that's a personnel thing um montreal's in trouble from the whole the coach needs to speak French thing. Um, I remember when like Randy Cunnyworth was hired very briefly mm-hmm. and the media basically had a revolt. And the reality of the situation is, is if you want your team to win, you might have a coach that doesn't speak French. Like, I don't know what to tell you. There isn't a better French speaking coach in the NHL than Claude Julian. It is that simple. I think the second best is probably Guy Boucher. And they didn't hire him. So, like, the reality of the situation is Montreal media, you need to tone it the hell down if you want your team to actually have a coach that is remotely as close to quality as Claude Julian. I mean, that's that's like Ian and I talked about this a lot is that there are coaches that are available that have like French sounding names, but we don't think they actually like Bruce Boudreau, right? His name does not speak French, does not speak French, but his name sounds French. We're like, ah, no. And then Gerard Gallant, again, another friend doesn't speak that much French. So it's like you really handcuff yourself. Now, I'm not 
like I'm obviously not a French Canadian, so I have no idea, you know, what the what the whole dealio of the thing is. I don't know, you know, I don't know how much that that matters. And apparently it matters a lot enough that, like we said, and it's funny, I brought up Randy Cunnyworth last episode. We were talking about this, too, that, that they essentially ran him out of town. And he was like, guys, I'm speaking French. I'm the interim guy. Like, relax. And no, they wouldn't take that. So it's it's tough. Now, do you know anything about Dominique um, Ducharme? I, I like the Burroughs signing just because, like, you know, him being a player development kind of coach on the Rocket worked out really well because he, he you know, he worked his way up from, like, roller hockey to ECHL to, to the NHL. He knows what it's like to kind of have to improve and not kind of skate on your talents. It's also very funny that Alex Burroughs is now the coach of Corey Perry, considering all the, you know, all, all the battles that they went through. But do you know anything about Dominique Ducharme? Because I know literally nothing other than he has ridiculous hair. Um, well, he's French Canadian, so that helps. Uh, That's all you need. But he coached in the queue and then he led Canada's world junior team definitely for one year, I think maybe for two. Um, he's been mm-hmm. through the U18 program. So essentially he's from the Hockey Canada coaching tree. Of course, um, of course. I'm not sure if he won, though. That's the thing. I don't know how successful the teams were under him. I just know that within circles and like the people that I've talked to, he's known as a guy who is forward thinking, who isn't afraid to try things. Um, very much a similar mindset to Bruce Cassidy in terms of um, he'll trust his staff. And if they say, okay, well, like, the data says this or we're having good results when we're doing this or maybe we should try this um he was a guy that was in at least in junior he was unafraid um to sort of break the mold and try things so maybe that's a good thing in Montreal it's just the fact that um at five on five Montreal was probably the best team in the NHL and Mm. they fired their coach because they couldn't score on the power play which I and their goalie sucks yeah well exactly and that is that the coaching staff does wear that for playing him but I'm also here to tell you that Claude Julian isn't the only guy making that decision I don't I believe Stefan Waite is their goalie coach um from my experience especially in New Jersey like Roley basically made the call as to who was playing in net and John Hines was like okay like that was that but it's like Mm -hmm. the goalie coach makes that choice so um, maybe the goalie coach. I don't know, but I don't necessarily. I think a lot of people are kind of baffled by this because if you look around the league, Claude Julian was not on everyone's bingo card to get fired. And I said this in my EP piece, but like I have a real problem with how this was handled in terms of the fact that this guy was yeah. literally coming off of heart surgery, risks his health during a pandemic, and the team is actually playing well. They're just getting really unlucky. Like, since my thread, their PDO is 98. That's, like, very low. And so they just can this guy because he has 10 bad games? Like, you got to be kidding me. And, of course, it's typical Montreal, so I'm not even They bought into their but... own hype. Like, they, they were like, we're the juggernaut Habs, and now we're, we're not playing great. But it's, like, Ian and I really went in on, on the goaltending because that's a huge problem for them is – the fact that Carey Price is, you know, on the, definitely on the wrong side of 30, definitely on the wrong side of injuries, is making $10.5 million until 2026 and is giving them 888 save, like 888 save percentage. And essentially just got his, his, his coach fired. And the whole reason behind paying that much for Jake Allen and then before he even played a game for you, signing him to a two-year extension worth $2.875 million was to make Carey Price better so he'd get rest. And 
that has the had the opposite effect. They're paying fifteen point three, I think, million dollars for their two, for their goaltending and their crease this year, and their goaltending just got their their coach fired. I I think Carey Price is the biggest calamity here, and what like what do they do with that? Because you can't get out of that contract, and it doesn't really seem like he's going to have a bounce back year at age what thirty four. Like it, it, it's a real calamity for them. Yeah, it's a real issue. Um, I mean, when I put that thread out at mm-hmm. the beginning of February, um, he had like a 962 high danger save percentage, and I flat said he's not going to keep that. And lo and behold, what has who happened? Who could have expected this? Um, who could have thought? I literally, who could have seen this coming? Me. <laughs> I literally said it, and then that night he laid an egg against Ottawa, and they've been absolutely brutal since. So to every Habs fan who came into my mentions, extremely, fuck you. I just think it's so funny. It's so, like, it is funny, genuinely comedic, how, just how much this, the, the, and I say this as I'm not, like, I'm not part of the media, like, I am part of the media, but the general, like, national media threw themselves behind this team. Like, they were the, they were the quote-unquote juggernaut Habs. They were, you know, PJ, I remember PJ Stocks got the, got the tweet, you know, from three weeks ago where it's like, Mark Bergevin, GM of the year. No doubt. Like, it's over. And then literally, like, the day after Julian gets fired, there's, like, a there's, you know, TSN uh, 10 or 690, I think, or whatever it is in, in, in Montreal, releases a clip where it's, like, PJ Stock goes in on Mark Bergevin. It's like, oh, so, you know, you changed your spots a little bit. Like, this is, this was, we got to relax when it comes to hype. Because, as well, last year in the, in the bubble, I remember seeing tweets of, man, this Canucks team, they remind me a lot of the 9 Blackhawks like this is and then there was also the you know like they were is are the Canucks Canada's team now and then look what they're doing like we got it we got to pump the brakes guys yeah I would say um this is the danger of sample size I am not gonna comment on the Canucks right now Mm -hmm. um but I would say that the dangers of like if if you look at how good a team is if a team is performing well or if a team is performing poorly and you go and look at their PDO and it matches with that, maybe attribute some of their results to that. Like, I yeah. mean, I'm not even kidding you when I just say that the, like today before we recorded this podcast, I just finished a thing that discusses correlation in results to PDO. And the correlation, let me tell you, is extremely strong. It is one <laughs> of the strongest. So um, let's just maybe settle down on the hype especially yeah. if a team has a 105 PDO in their first 10 games. Like, just chill. And the All opposite right. is true, too. If they have a 98 or a 97 PDO... Clean house. With the exception of Ottawa, because their goaltending is genuinely bad, um, mm. just maybe don't fire your coach. I don't know. They might be... Ottawa might be running with Joey Decord as their number one going soon, because he yeah. was he took over from Murray. I think like, that's kind of all there is to say about the Habs. What's next? Yes. What else? I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business and it's customized to your needs you get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales and i'm speaking about this from experience 
I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. This is uh, is the creme de la creme, I would say, of the pod that we're getting into right now. The Sabres have always been a mess, but once you left... I don't know. I don't, Ian liked to bring up the correlation causation kind of thing. I don't know which one it is, but literally once, once you were unavailable on the podcast, um, they took a nosedive deep, deep, deep. And we've talked about it on, on the last two episodes, but being someone who's been in the front office, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on specifically. Cause I also haven't been able to ask you about this just off the mic. This is, yeah. For those of be, you who don't know, Mike and I have pretty much not spoken for almost a week like every time we've spoken it's been about things that are completely non-hockey related yeah and so i i literally have no idea but i will say i listened to the last podcast and Mm -hmm. i heard about what i heard what you said about the whole new jersey thing and let me just say this i appreciate you friend and i appreciate you a lot you're very, very welcome. Now, it's the the thing is, too, is like Rachel and I, we talk like every day, like all the time. And it's it's been very weird not being able to, to talk to her. So it's this is this is great. This is just the cathartic part of the podcast. Also, w- how we are on time, I think we're going to push our deep dive to next episode because it's just going to be catching Rachel up on everything. All right. So let's go through the Sabres week because this is oh ridiculous. Goodness, what Do tell. And this is this is. Nosedive, and I I really want to get your thoughts on this. I'm giddy. I love I, I, it, I their sadness sustains me. So the Sabers they're an absolute mess. They drop so over the weekend they drop consecutive three nothing games to the Flyers. So they didn't score a goal over the weekend. Okay, not great. And this is when you take context into account with everything else that has happened in the past week. Ending that week with consecutive shutouts. That was probably the worst thing you could possibly have. There is a a column that I was reading this morning um, by John Vogel, of the Athletic. He, oh, he's you know, good. Yeah. I like John. I like John. He's work. great. He's he always writes like super thoughtful stuff. He's great. And and the the lead of his story, well, it, like the the title is the Sabers need to make a change and start cleaning up this mess. And the and the lead is it's time for change. There's no way around it. Sabers fans shouldn't have to suffer through 37 more games of this. Um, question. 
Yeah. If I would have told you that that lead was written five years ago, ten, ten seven years ago, years even. ago, last year, like, could could would you have believed that? It's an evergreen tweet. So it's it's Groundhog Day again, again. Yeah, in it's Buffalo. Groundhog Day. Um. Okay. So thought I question. Mm-hmm. They have been a mess since the Pagulas took over. I would say yes, a hundred percent. They were they were competent before at least okay, they just so couldn't spend had money a, i think three or four gms since the pagulas took over they've had 96 coaches um they've had all manner of star players they've had a con Smythe winner that they decided to trade away um having been through this i think the sabers are the ugly stepchild in the pagulas family um, and I say this because the Devils very much are the little brother slash stepchild in yeah. HBSE because they have the 76ers and Crystal Palace, who plays in the Premier League. And Crystal Palace is probably the most well-known team worldwide. And I'm not sorry, Philadelphia 76ers fans. That's kind of how it is. Um, and I think that with the Pagulas owning the Bills and basically like three quarters of the city of Buffalo... I think maybe the Sabres are getting a little bit forgotten here because everything I hear from inside and outside that organization is that it's kind of a mess. So they've had they have had they've had three general managers since the Pagulas took over because the Pagulas came on and they fired Darcy Re- or no, they've had four. I think they had one season of Darcy Regeer and that one season. So they fo- I remember the whole narrative. They, the Pagulas the the Sabres were always good. Like in, in those, you know, middle years, like the early the early 90s or the late 90s, early 2000s, they're always pretty good. But they they could never spend money like they were like the Oakland A's in Moneyball. Like it was it was like a competent team, but they kept losing their players to bigger contracts. And this was, you know, when the and it probably worked out for the best, considering that this was like when Scott, you know, uh, not Scott Gomez, um, like Brian Gionta, you know, left Danny Briere left for bigger paychecks. Even like Chris you know, all, Rory and Jason Pominville. Exactly. Like guys like that. And they I remember the, Ryan so, Miller. And like yeah. good Ryan Miller, as in as a child, you and I both grew up and we knew that if Ryan Miller was playing, the Leafs were not winning and they probably weren't scoring either. Oh, my God. I know it, it, it like just because I have of the nightmares long... about how good the Buffalo Sabres were like. I know when they played the conference final against Ottawa, I was in the building in Buffalo when Joe Corvo scored the double OT winner, and they actually have Ray Emery's stick from that game. Like, I remember when Buffalo was good. Joe Corvo, what a deep cut. That is That triggered a part of my brain that has been dormant since, like, 2007. That's crazy. Senator's great, Joe Corvo. Um, so they, I remember, they bring the Bagulas by the team, and the big conceit behind them was, we're rich, we're going to let the Sabres spend money. Let's do this. And the first thing they did was sign Vili Leno to a absurd contract. That was one of my favorite contracts of all time. Like people were beating on the Luongo contract. I'm like, did y'all forget about the Vili Leno contract? I want to, I want to give you, and again, like I'll get to the, the actual week, but it's funny just to reminisce on this because I, one of the craziest fun facts in hockey history, in my opinion, is that on separate occasions, Tyler Myers and then Christian Ehrhoff were the two highest paid players in hockey by cash on their contract, not by cap hit. That's not ideal. I would say. And and Tyler Myers, still not good. Now, this was this was like decent Tyler Myers, like when he was younger and, you know, not 
terrible on the Canucks. averaging two minutes in penalties a game. Exactly. But I remember because they gave them like, you know, eight year, 10 year contract extensions that I think Myers just finished at the end of his most recent one. Tyler Myers was making like $12 million in actual cash one year. And then the next year, Christian Ehrhoff on his own um, crazy contract was making, you know, like $10 million. It was crazy. So now, now we get to the week that was like, that's, that's terrible. We get to the week that was the biggest headline here. Jeff Skinner scratched for three straight games. What? Did you not know this? Like injured or like, no healthy scratch. Did you not know this? Nope. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, you really didn't see anything. Oh yeah, yeah. So Jeff Skinner <laughs> He's scratched the third for three highest games. paid player on the team. Yeah. So he's making nine million dollars. Oh for the second highest paid player on the team. <laughs> yep, he's making nine million dollars and um for six more years after this one. Um, okay, so this is a great example of why you need to listen to your stats people because yep. anybody worth a lick would have told you that his 42 goal season was not repeatable and you should not have signed him to that contract like no. remember when i remember when he signed that contract and i remember going mm, ee, nope don't want to be doing that i believe i may have been employed when he signed that contract but it was hailed. It was hailed as a good thing at the time, and this is how low the bar is in Buffalo. It was hailed as a good thing in time because Buffalo was able to retain one of their talents. They were able to retain a, a pending free agent who decided to double down on Buffalo because he was he could have gotten he was getting offers like that all around the league, but he was able to. He was like, no, I'm signing an eight like you know an eight year extension with you you know to, to keep going because I believe in Buffalo and look how it worked out. He's got he had at the time of the scratch he had one assist in 14 games. That's it. Okay, so I think what we need to do with Jeff Skinner is, mm -hmm. like, obviously, he doesn't fit with their team, right? And and that's a huge cap hit. Now, I the only way that they're going to be able to get rid of him is by a retaining half of his salary potentially, and b you have to play him because the only way you're going to get him out of this rut to show any semblance of value whatsoever exactly is to play him. And so like I'm actually I really like Ralph Krueger. Um Ooh, I like that he's you're got You're not going cross, to after this week. Well, cross I like that he's got the cross sports stuff. Like I just like yeah. that he's got a different background than your typical hockey man. And he was also fired via Skype in Edmonton, which I will never forget. Um but I would say that like Eventually, you're going to want to try and move this asset, and the only way to remove to move the asset is to show that it has value. You can't show it, show that Skinner has value if he's in a suit in the press box. Ralph Kruger, it's funny that you 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 praise Ralph Kruger there because Ralph Kruger has had a a tough week. Let's just put it that way. Oh no, what um, happened? Okay, so Jeff first Skinner of all, scratched- he's recovering from COVID. The poor yes. man. But you know, unless the COVID seeped into his brain. Um, Which it may have because also COVID and we don't know. Maybe. But then maybe he shouldn't be behind an NHL bench right now. You know, maybe that's a maybe that's a that's a fair statement. So let's get into this. Yeah. So Skinner, healthy scratch for three games is nine million dollars per year Skinner. And like you said, you know, the only way you have any possibility of getting out of this contract is to, you know, at this point, he's around, you know, he's a round peg. Your your lineup is a square hole. Just friggin 
try and jam it in there. Jump on it. Do I everything love that you can. said that backwards. It's square peg round hole. <laughs> I, I just think different. Like, whatever. <laughs> I'm just built. I'm just built different. Um, so Ralph Kruger comes out and he says, you know, it's, it's probably a good thing. Like the reason why he scratches, you know, it's, you know, the whole accountability thing, but also like he can learn stuff by watching games. Maybe, you know, reset Jeff Skinner. I know. Doesn't really. Can I just say that the Devils tried this with Damon Severson and like it categorically didn't work. And then the Devils almost traded Damon Severson for someone who was definitely not as good. Mm -hmm. And now Damon Severson is by far their best defenseman and probably should be in the conversation for the Norris trophy this year. So here to tell you that watching games in the press box, unless you're like a rookie, doesn't actually do anything like if you're yeah. Rasmus Sandin you can learn from sitting in the press box if you are uh Nils Hoaglander you can learn from a game or two in the press box yeah. because you're still learning the league Jeff Even Skinner like is 30 years old he's not learning anything sitting in the press box so Jeff Skinner agrees with you because Jeff Skinner like basic publicly you know uh contradicted his coach so Jeff Skinner goes, I've watched a lot of hockey games, played in a lot of games, obviously. I don't think you learn anything extra by not being out there. So a little tough to, to contradict that on the head coach. Now, that's not the only contradiction that's happened. Now, after, now after the, the three straight scratches, um, Don Meehan, Skinner's agent, reportedly had a lengthy call with Kevin Adams. And also Jack Campbell, not Jack Campbell, Jack Eichel was a late scratch um, he, like in warmups on Thursday. So he was like he. OK, he was, question. I was just going to ask this. Um. Where has Jack Eichel been in all of this? Because I just looked at his point totals and he doesn't seem to be playing well either. Well, let me tell you, there's a great stat here as well. Again, in one of my million tabs that I have open. Um, So Wayne Simmons, Dominic Cahoon, Connor Sheary, Marcus Foligno and Curtis Lazar all have more goals than Eichel, Hall, Skinner and Akpozo combined. That's not ideal. That's that's horrendous. Like That is. (laughs) Yeah, that is um, not great. Those are all players that they let walk in the offseason. And yeah, so okay. Jack Eichel. This is not good. Buffalo is not even a tire fire at this point. They're an entire city on fire. Exactly. So they're, so Jack Eichel's taking the warm-ups on Thursday. And he, or yeah, he's taking warm-ups on Thursday. And then he's a late scratch. People go, what's going on? My, Didn't they play New Jersey thought, on Thursday? I believe they did, yeah. And mm, everyone was okay. like, trade? Trade? And it's like, no. So Sabres PR comes out, he says he's got a lower body injury. It's like, okay, whatever. Um, now, on Monday, Jack, uh, Jack, Ralph Kruger is like, ah, you know, Eichel's fine. He's just a bit banged up, but he's fine. He'll play. And then after the game, when people were asking Ralph Kruger about the, you know, about the injury, he goes, oh, yeah, you know, Eichel was injured in warmups. So this weekend, Eichel gets asked about his injury, and he goes, no, I injured it on, on Monday. Okay, so that seems there are a couple of things that could have happened because we actually had a situation like this in New Jersey when I was really there. yes okay tell me not going to name the player of, of course of course um but essentially you have a couple people that are involved with minor injuries you have your trainer mm-hmm. you have your head doctor or in our case two. Um, And then you have your like strength and conditioning guy, your athletic therapist, your massage dude. Like there are people involved and they all talk. Yes. Generally, it's the team doctor's decision if a guy plays or not. However, if it's something minor, it is the uh, like the trainer. Mm -hmm. 
But they don't always talk because they're like the team doctor is a little bit more removed, whereas like the team trainer is like in the room all the time. Yeah. But both of those I men, because there's no women right now, both of, of those course. men speak to the head coach. Yeah. So there is a distinct possibility that Ralph Kruger got a message from either the team doctor or the trainer and the other guy told Jack Eichel the other thing. So it's it's I don't think I've really ever had a situation where the player went into the coach's office unless they were demanding to play. Mm-hmm. Um, where the player directly said, like, this is when I was injured, this is how, this is what it is. It's usually up to the team doctor and the team trainer, and there are more than a few occasions where those lines have been crossed. So if this was, like, a warm-up thing, I could see how that happened, because that happened in New Jersey once. Now, what this goes to show is... This, this this it might not be the biggest deal on the surface just because like, you know, it's injuries like whatever. But this matters a lot for a couple of reasons. Number one, it goes to show that there is a distinct lack of communication or, you know, just just break in the chain of command or something going broken telephone here, which just shows disorganization, basically, when it comes to players injuries. It also shows that they like the that the amount of care that they pay to their franchise player and captain and and a guy who they should be doing everything they possibly can to make happy right now, considering that he is being mentioned in trade rumors on a minute-by-minute basis on Twitter. Um, it goes to show that they don't really care that much about, like, the lack of care that they have towards his actual status, which is pretty concerning, considering, uh, like... Well, you know what? Okay, so I would say that it is likely that one of those messages, whichever the case may be, never actually made it back to either the team doctor or the athletic trainer. I would say probably the team doctor mm-hmm. um, if it was kind of like a Monday thing. Okay, but compare this to the Leafs. Matthews was, was, didn't play on you Saturday night. You can't compare it to the Leafs because the Leafs employ triple the amount of people of any other hockey team. No, I know, but the, like Matthews went down. He he like Matthews didn't play on Saturday because of an, a, a wrist injury. I know about Matthews because I was told by somebody else i have known about matthew i probably know more about matthews than the general public does but like what i'm saying is is it's like this happens more than people think and it's just the pr staff clamps down on the coach before they get to the media so like exactly I remember Pete was in charge of PR. Actually, he still is in New Jersey. And on the way to press conferences, they would walk from the dressing room to the press room. And on the way, Pete would tell the coach, he would tell John, okay, this is how you answer this question. This is how you answer this question. We don't have an update on this. We don't have, because they don't want the coach sewering himself like Ralph Kruger did. So to me, all of this could have been avoided if the PR guy, who I don't know who it is in Buffalo anymore, would have just said, hey, Ralph, don't answer any questions about Jack Eichel's injury. All you have to say is, I don't have an update for you. Didn't they lay off a bunch of PR staff? I believe they did, which is why I said so, I don't know who it is, because the guy exactly. that I used to go to is no longer there. Exactly. It's also odd. Again, okay, so that, but like, so the reason why I brought up the Leafs is that like Matthews went like he was a relatively unexpected, not unexpected, but like it was a last minute scratch um, before. Right, but it's been known that he has been dealing with this the whole year, like within the organization. It's mm-hmm. been known. So like this is no secret between the doctors, the surgeons, the athletic therapists. Everyone in the organization knows this is happening. 
And this is, but this has been a known thing since at least Monday because Kruger was asked about Eichel and straight up said he's not injured. And then his, co- like, the, what I'm, there, there this is a to chain me falls of more on PR than anybody else. Yes. And, and knowing behind the scenes, the PR people did not do their job. Exactly. And that's, and that's just, it's just a little, and, and as well for Eichel to go out and, Normally, the PR staff would be would handle any questions about a guy about your captain and franchise players injury, especially in the middle of a losing streak. Like you have to know, like I, I even with Marley stuff, I remember, you know, asking asking Lilligren or Sandine about their about their injuries, even if it was in the middle of like a losing streak or something like basically that that question would get shut down immediately. You, you can't let your 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 captain go out there and basically contradict your coach publicly in the middle of. It's it's just tough. So I honestly, losing streak or not, because he's injured, mm-hmm. the Buffalo Sabres should they need to institute this team policy because I know most teams have it. If a player did not play and is on the injured list, he does not speak to the media. Exactly. And and so what should have happened there was a Ralph Kruger get debriefed by the PR staff on not to say anything about Jack Eichel's injury, and then when. The media asks for P, uh, for Jack Eichel. The answer is he is on the injured list, and per team policy, he does not speak to the media. Any updates will be provided by the PR staff at the appropriate time, and that is it. Well, Eichel. So Eichel did play like the next game. So this is he was answering it after. So it's just, but it just goes to show the lack of communication. Like there's no, but we're we're, we're getting we're getting yeah, lost. Yeah, it's in, just in the an example here. of how completely yeah. discombobulated. Exactly. The organization is and like you know what I think that a lot of this is because there has been so much turnover in the organization if you look mm-hmm. at any organization um, including my former one there anytime there's a ton of turnover that means there's not a lot of continuity which means that a lot of new relationships are being built which means things get lost in translation there are more miscommunications like I will tell you, I was, I, one of my, my, actually my best friend in New Jersey worked in the PR department and she was in my office every day and we were consistently on the same page and we are still best friends now. In fact, I was in her wedding. Um, and I can tell you that as we've developed as friends, we're pretty much like basically telepathic at this point. Whereas mm-hmm. if you were to stick me in a new organization, I would not have the same relationship with their PR person on day one that I have with the person that I was close with in New Jersey. Like that's just how it works. So with Buffalo continually hiring and firing coaches, GMs, whomever behind the scenes, they're kind of setting themselves up for failure at this point. Yeah, it's 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 brutal. So then we have the Rasmus Dahlin Someone needs to save this kid because he's having a tough time because Rasmus Dahlin literally I just have this quote where he goes I'm very embarrassed This is not acceptable. This sucks. It's the worst. He was quoted about that this weekend. Oh my god this poor guy like Ryan O'Reilly Saying that he learned to hate hockey in Buffalo and then promptly going to St. Louis and winning the con Smythe Oh, yeah is a massive indictment um, we have the I heard briefly about the Rasmus Ristolainen thing about oh, him man. having COVID and like barely being able to breathe. That seems problematic, and maybe he shouldn't be playing. Now we have Rasmus Dahlin, who was drafted there uh, the year I was so 2018. So we're in season three for him. 
Uh, that's problematic. We have Jack Eichel, who, from everything I've heard, basically wants out of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, things are not going very well. Why is it that in Edmonton, where they have the best player on earth, and in Buffalo, where they have the second best player in his draft year, who is also a star, can they not get it together? What is it about those organizations? What is in the water? I have no idea. But it's also Jake McCabe out for the season this week. He tore his ACL, I believe. I did see that. Um, yeah, that's super unfortunate. And I mean, that doesn't terrible. really have anything to do with like Buffalo as a team. But like, it's just a super unfortunate thing in a long list of things. Oh, yeah. And then also Linus Allmark is out for a month. They're goaltender. So what? now Carter Hutton's. Yeah. And oh, so now Carter Hutton's their starter. Okay. Um, here's my betting advice to anyone listening. Mm-hmm. Fade the Sabres. Just fade them. In the same way that you fade Detroit every time someone not named Jonathan Bernier plays in net, fade the Sabres. Because Taylor Hall, I think, has like two or three goals. Jack Eichel apparently doesn't even want to play hockey. Um, They've got Rasmus Ristolainen, who's probably playing with like one lung and half a heart. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin basically hates his life, and now they have no goalie. Exactly. So now we're going to hear a quote from Ralph Kruger. I want to tell you, I want you, it's, I want to play a little game called What the Fuck Is This Guy Even Saying? It's, it's, it's America's favorite game show. Exactly. It's America's favorite game show. So it's, he goes, and I want, I also want to play a game called How Many, <laughs> How Many Fucking Blunts Did This Guy Just Rip Before This Quote? Because, so asked about, Yeah, asked about this, he goes, the principles of play or the core structure that we're searching for, we embrace, Kruger said. There's no negotiation that it works in the National Hockey League. We've seen it. But if we drift from it and we're not able to execute it, then we have to question the process. We have to question the teaching. What the fuck? What are you saying, man? Like, Ralph Kruger, this is a... What? I get that he has the cross. I get that he has the cross sport thing. But this guy had a terrible stint in Edmonton, then coached you know, some of teams, some of Europe to the friggin' gold medal game in the world cup of hockey, which is like six games. Now he's again in charge of, uh, an NHL team. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't, he's lost control already of that room already. Taylor Hall's not playing with Eichel. Taylor Hall's in the third line. He's got one goal. Yeah. I'm aware of the Taylor Hall stuff. Um, that quote is, uh, what I like to call word salad. What the fuck did this like, guy just he, say? He is analytics are salad, but he's the guy that's only drinking the dressing. Exactly. Exactly. He's he's the guy who you walk into the walk into his apartment and he's just chugging a bottle of Hidden Valley Ranch, and you're like, "What are you doing? You look like a lunatic." Yeah, that quote made no absolutely sense. no like, sense. Again, I wish. Okay, so to give everyone a visual representation of my reaction to that quote, yeah. You know that white cat, like the white yeah, just, cat that I always tweet out? That mm-hmm. was my actual reaction there. Just hilarious. Just at, like just straight hilarity from, from wall to wall. All right, moving on. The Predators, they're apparently launching a fire sale. They're going to sell, sell everyone. And they, they have three untouchables. Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi, Pecorine. That's it. Everyone else available, including Philip Forsberg, including Dante Fabro. Um, we talked about the, the Predators in pretty lengthy detail a couple weeks ago about how this is exactly what they need to do. Now, the Rene thing makes is understandable considering you know he's probably going to retire after this year and they want him to, re- they want him to retire you know, a lifelong Pred. Great. But like 
being willing to take offers on Phil, the only player who can score on your roster, or even like Matthias Ekholm, like a great defenseman, cost controlled. Here's the thing. So there's an expansion draft coming. Yes, and there you is. don't want to have to protect three guys who are like 30 years old on defense, which are Ekholm, Yossi, Ellis, right? So Ekholm, anyone, any team that has anybody worth anything statistically is going to be all over this guy because he's one of the best defensemen at even strength, especially in transition, in the entire league. So to me, Ekholm's, you're not going to move your captain. That's fine. And you're not going to move Ryan Ellis because he's on a sweetheart contract. Yeah. So you have to move Ekholm. And to be quite frank with you, the package you can get for him should be quite significant. And if you're going to go into a quick rebuild, which I think Nashville has the ability to do because they have Askarov, because they have Tomasino, Mm. because they still have Yossi and Ellis, um, that's the guy because you can get a current asset, and at least one future asset for him. And then you also avoid having to protect three guys who are either 30 or approaching 30 in the expansion draft. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. The Philip yeah. Forsberg thing I was aware of, and that is because I've been I've been sent text messages asking about Philip Forsberg quite a bit. Um And all I will say is this. He is far and away their best player this year. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not even close. I did a massive deep dive for EP Ringside about this. Um, And right now, I think that the asking price is astronomically high. Right? In the same way, I think the Philip Forsberg price is very... Or the Philip Forsberg situation is very akin to the William Nylander thing. Where... Mm -hmm. They're not untouchable, but if you want the player... You gotta pay up, dude. You're paying up, and the same goes, I hate to break it to you, everyone, for Mitch Marner. He is not untouchable either. There are very few untouchables on the Leafs team, and Mitch Marner and William Nylander are not either of them. And so what I would say is, whether a GM comes out and says untouchable or not, if there is an offer to be made, you're telling me that if Ken Holland picked up the phone and said, I will trade you Connor McDavid... That Kyle Dubas wouldn't be like, here's Mitch Marner. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Good day, sir. Like, of course, there's a price for everyone. I just think that Nashville's being smart by saying, hey, Philip Forsberg isn't an untouchable, so make us an offer because they want offers. And if they get an offer they like, they'll move him. But don't be surprised if Philip Forsberg doesn't get moved. Because that asking price is exceptionally high. Yeah. The Matthias Ekholm, like he, the package you can get for that guy is going to be absurd. He's signed for this year and next at 3.75 million. He's one of the best. And they're going to trade him. That, like, Forsberg, I would say it's more likely he doesn't move than he does. Ekholm is getting moved. For sure. And that could be a, that could be a package that sets up, like, that allows you to not rebuild, but retool and do it properly. So what I would ask for personally in an Ekholm deal I want a young current player. So, um, basic pick a team. Give me a team that Nashville's going to trade at home to that needs a defenseman, and I will make a package for you. Philly. Okay. Um, I want their 2022 first round pick. Okay. Uh, bar none. I don't want this year. Oh, getting, getting immediately. Out. Immediately. Yeah, I don't want the 2021 pick. That's useless to me right now. Um, so I want their 2022 pick. I want 
depending on if you want a defenseman or a forward, I would say if I'm Nashville, I want a forward because I have skill on the back end. Mm-hmm. You um, need, they need scoring desperately. So yeah, yeah so makes I sense. want a young forward. Um, I'm probably looking at somebody like a Morgan Frost, um, or I'm trying to think of who their young forwards are. But I want someone who's basically like 22 and under, 23 and under. And I want another piece on top of that, whether it's like a third or another, like a depth forward. Um, Actually, you know what? Like, do you have Philadelphia's cap friendly in front of you? I do now. Okay. List me their players who are 23 and under. 23 and under. Um, They're forwards. They're forwards? Not a lot. It's Farabee, Nolan Patrick, Connor Bunneman, and that's it. 23 and under. I would have Farabee then. Yeah, I actually think Joel Farabee would be a fantastic contributor. So I would, at that point, if you're asking for Farabee, it's probably Farabee in a second. Um, mm-hmm. You're not getting that first. But um, if you're if you're gonna get like an Oscar Lindblom or a Connor Bunneman, which yeah, I don't really love that. I would ask for Morgan Frost and and a first round pick out of Philadelphia, unless you think you can get one of their young defensemen, which I don't think you can. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast right here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As of Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup anyway. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance of the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box of this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, let's rapid fire through some of these before you head out. Another another uh, potential trade that was nixed over the over the season or over the weekend, not the season. Um, if you thought you were getting if you're not getting any Canucks talk, let me tell you, it's there. So apparently there was a, a potential deal, Danton Heinen for uh, Jake Vertanen. I think there were a couple more uh, um, pieces at, at play there. Um, but it was apparently rumored that those two were going to be swapped. They're relatively, you know, similar, sim- similar salary, similar, you know, stats, all that kind of stuff. But it was nixed reportedly. Again, I don't know this, but it's reportedly because Aquilini didn't want to take on an extra $800,000 in salary. Okay, so a couple things. Um, I actually like Danton Heinen more than I like Jake Vertanen. I think he brings mm-hmm. more. Um, the other thing is I've known this for a while. Um, Vancouver management, the current regime has been interested Mm -hmm. in acquiring Danton Heinen for quite a while. So this kind of lines up. Um, however, the Aquilini salary thing, 800 K it's, I believe it's cash, not salary. And those are two different things because one is cap hit and one is actual Mula Mula going out. Um, I don't know if that's true and I'm certainly not going to speculate on it, but the one thing I have heard from two people that I find to be very reliable is Mm -hmm. that Jim Benning and John Weisbrod aren't exactly running the show the way that they used to. Um, So, like, you know when you're a kid and you get, like, your privileges taken away so it's, like, no TV or, like, no dessert for a week? I know that all too well. Yeah, me too. All too well. Um, I think it's kind of something like that where they've kind of said, okay, um, 
I don't love what you're doing. And if you look at their bottom six, I can't imagine why that is. Um, we're going to take away some of your privileges. And the other thing is maybe these rumors have been floating around because they're trying to distract people from that. Because to me, I look at, okay, Jake Furtanen for Denton Heinen, and then I look at Jim Benning and John Weisbrod potentially having all of their power taken away. Option two is the bigger story. So I need to construct something that everyone's going to talk about mm -hmm. to distract from that. And the easiest way to do that is to discuss trading Jake for Tannen because everybody loves to talk about that. that I, hey, that makes sense. But man, yeah, I look, I know that feeling of being grounded all too well. It's it's not a fun one. And if Jim Benning's going through that, you know, prayers up for him. All right. Jordan Bennington. He had a meltdown. Um, okay, after letting, I saw this video on Twitter. What the hell happened? So after letting in four goals on 19 shots uh, in the middle of the second period, he gets yanked. Okay, so like and a decides, 750 save percentage? 800 it, it, save bad. percentage? He played bad. Also, Jordan Bennington, maybe the most overrated goaltender in the league behind Carey Price. You know, pretty out there. He he didn't even have great stats en route to the, uh, the, the one Stanley Cup that is the only reason why he's considered anything other than, you know, an average goaltender this year. Or, um just in his career. Can I just say that for like the Hockey Canada Olympic team, my three goaltenders would probably be Hart, Blackwood, and Marc-Andre Fleury right now. Like if I were picking the team, like Price and Bennington would be nowhere near the conversation and Carter Hart would be my starting goaltender. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, so he decides, so he gets pulled after being a bad goaltender in that game. He played poorly and decided to punch three people in the face on his way out, including uh, Devin Dubnik. What? Um, yeah, he, uh, as he is, did you see the video? I saw the video, but, like, that was the reason I thought, like, something had been incited. Like, I thought maybe Evander Kane or somebody said something to him that caused this. No, is he just being a hothead again? Maybe, look, maybe he, maybe something was said. I don't know, because Kane, Kane did score two of the four goals on him at that point, so maybe. Um, but he just, like, also, we, look, we all know the the one the one chirp to give Evander Kane right now. Like it, like it's come on, but he, so essentially he, um, yeah, he just was skating off the ice, went by the, the sharks bench, punched a guy, skated off, punched another player. And then Devin Dubnik rolled up and he punched <laughs> Devin Dubnik. Okay. So and there was no, like there weren't other fights that had happened in the game. There wasn't like an overt amount of animosity. It's just, he was angry that he was playing terribly and then decided that, punching people was a good idea look these these teams clearly don't like each other so i mean it makes sense but i would just like geez. to say that jordan bennington has had a reputation of being a hothead yep. since his days at the new market ntr where by the way i live um mm -hmm. and so i'm glad to see that nothing's changed also isn't devin dubnik like five inches taller than jordan bennington like maybe don't be attacking a guy that probably has five inches and 40 pounds on you Yep, Dubnik was also like, I like what the like what the hell just happened there after the game? It was it was rough. Now the the reason I bring this up is because people are trying to spin this, including the Blues head coach, as like, oh, it was just a motion to rally the team. That's just who he is. He's a competitor. Jeff O'Neill um, says what happened in San Jose last night was a motion. Enjoy it, people. It happens once a month in the NHL these days. Um, Have they watched look, the Calgary Edmonton game? Exactly. Look there there is like there's good emo. I'm I'm all for you Excuse know some me, hold. some. I, I'm really going to hope the answer's no, but I just, I know hockey too well, so I know the answer's going to be yes. Did some hockey personality with some clout say that the reason that St. Louis won that game is because Jordan Bennington did that? Did somebody say that? 
Yep. Right. Okay, so here to tell you, and I have spoken to multiple NHL players, current mm-hmm. and former, who say that a fight, whether it's a goalie or a goalie being pulled, like any of that kind of stuff, yeah, maybe fires a guy up for their next shift, but after that, it's completely irrelevant. And by the way, that means maybe. Like, I've had some players tell me that they don't give a rat's ass if someone fights or not. It has no impact on their game. So St. Louis did not win because Jordan Bennington went and punched a player sitting on the San Jose bench in the face. It had nothing to do with it. It probably has something to do with the fact that Devin Dubnik is a terrible goalie and San Jose is a terrible team and St. Louis is not. Well, there you go. All right. And our last point to catch you up on, and this was this kind of flew under the radar, but it really made me made me you know take pause a little bit because I mean this is a very like it's a very pointed quote or not pointed, but it's very interesting to to make it to take into context. So Ian Mendez puts out you know a, a piece about Anthony Duclair and how the and and the Panthers and how they're a perfect match, and one of the quotes in the piece that's very interesting um, is this is Duclair speaking. I don't want to go into too much detail about Ottawa, but the way I'm being treated here is unbelievable. To have the owner and general manager support whatever I want to do off the ice and to have that in in the back of my mind is obviously refreshing. It makes me want to play harder for the organization so I can stay here long term, especially for a black hockey player. There is nothing better than knowing the mindset of your bosses. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm here to tell you that I have done consulting work for the Ottawa Senators, as in we revamped their entire ticketing plan and... I was part of the five group, five person group that created the Sen Student Army section, um, mm-hmm. which has brought in a lot of revenue for them. Um, and they promised us internships if we wanted them because we obviously gave them a plan for them to make a whole whack load of money. And then when two people from the group went to get those internships, like a year and a half later, they were like, oh, nope, sorry. So I'm not surprised that Anthony DeClaire said this. I'm not surprised that it happened because this situation happened, I want to say, in like 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and the owner's still the owner and the people who are still in charge there were still in charge and company culture there is as toxic as ever. Um, and I know this because I talk to people within that organization on a fairly regular basis. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that... Duclair said this because the reality of the situation is Ottawa has been a mess for a while. They are definitely, at least off the ice, one of the biggest messes in the entire league. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like Anthony Duclair not knowing where he stands, I think is absolutely not an indictment of him. I will say, though, that a player doesn't just come out and say that. So he clearly must be enjoying whatever the heck is happening in Florida. So kudos to them for whatever they're doing there because they deserve credit after they've been a mm-hmm. mess for a very long time. Um, I also heard that Bill Zito was like on the ice in a tracksuit with players. So like, that's interesting. Oh, really? With the taxi squad guys. Maybe we can get into that next episode. But yeah, that's sure. very odd to me. Um but you know what? Like, Anthony Duclair choosing to represent himself, that was a choice that he made. Um, clearly, like, got himself the opportunity in Florida is playing hella well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's clearly got a pretty good head on his shoulders and has an idea of what's best for himself. Um, and are we really surprised that Ottawa's a complete mess? No, it, it, not at all. And 
it look, I I really do think that the when he said when he made a point to say, especially for a black hockey player, you know, he, he to preface that like there there's some veiled stuff going on there. Clearly, look, he, he played well in Ottawa last year and he chose to represent himself and Ottawa decided you're a good player. We don't want you. And he's going to Florida. I think also like the black hockey player comment. Anthony Duclair, uh, to me, has always struck me as someone who is like very aware of other things. Like he's not just self-absorbed, yeah. like the man who shall not be mentioned on this podcast anymore. Um, that's on the bingo card mm-hmm. with the initials TDA. Yep. I think that Anthony Duclair um, is aware of kind of what's going on around the league with other black hockey players and and sees whether it's how he was treated or how other players of color were treated. And I think that um, him making a point of coming out and saying that um, they know like you're in the minority and it's it's good to know where you stand within an organization. Um, I think that is a public vote of confidence to the Florida Panthers and like kudos to them because um, if they're doing things to make a person of color feel more comfortable and clearly they have a person of color as an assistant GM. Mm -hmm. So like that is also fantastic and we need more of that because we need more diversity in this goddamn white sport. Um, So for me, like I think that it's Anthony Duclair being aware of kind of the state of the league and and using his voice to say, hey, like, I'm actually in a really good situation right now. And I wasn't in one before. All right. Well, on that note, we will leave you. We will bid you farewell. Rachel's got to go uh, uh, do some stuff. And we got to go, you know, wait for more hockey news to break so we can talk to you next week about it. So it was, Rachel, it was awesome to have you back. Missed you a lot. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, any podcatcher available. Uh, you can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Dory, me on Twitter at MikeyStevens81. You can find the podcast on Twitter at StaffGraph. Buy our merch on Redbubble, uh, redbubble.com slash StaffGraph. And write us a review. It'll help us rocket up those charts and, uh, and, and we'll be eternally grateful for you. Rachel, do you have anything to, to leave the, the, the people with before we make a return on Friday? I do not. All right. Well, have a great week, and we will see you on Friday. <laughs>